This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Welcome in, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. It's a Monday. It's the night of the national championship game, Monday after the NFL wrapped up its regular season, Black Monday, for a number of NFL teams. The day that the heads roll with the head coaches and, in some cases, the general managers, Charlotte, excuse me, Carolina, uh, basketball over the You're weekend. Right the first time. Yeah, really. Basketball <laughs> over the weekend. Happy times at the CLA. Uh, Gamecocks sweep the Mississippi State teams. And not so happy times at Little John, where Clemson came up short against North Carolina. Talk all about that tonight with you. Phone number 888-898-2525. And, of course, a very active weekend for South Carolina recruiting out of the transfer portal, John. Shane Beamer taking advantage of those opportunities to land some players from some big-time programs. Backups that they are, maybe they'll come to South Carolina and morph into uh, all SEC players uh, where they were, in some cases, they were career backups. But you take a guy and maybe a change of scenery, new coaches, new voices in his ear, make a difference, and you can turn him into a productive player. Talk all about that tonight with you here on the program. That phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Phil Kornbluth, Pat Daniel here in Columbia from the Berge Palace in Sardis. We have Chris Bergen with us. Berge back from his trip to Texas and then through Louisiana. Went one and one with Coastal Carolina. Thought you guys might have a chance watching that game Saturday night. Thought you might have a chance to pull that one out as well. Played well in spurts. I think Coastal's problem is still trying to find a consistent 40 minutes. Uh, Benny Mall says that uh, basically every time I talk to him of late, he's trying to get his team not to have those lulls where they turn it over three or four times, and that leads to easy runouts on the other end. And that was the difference in the game Saturday against the uh, Raging Cajuns. They turned it over 16 times, the exact same number they did against Texas State. But the Bobcats weren't able to capitalize anywhere close to what Louisiana did. They capitalized with 25 points off turnovers. And it's just tough to win uh, in a fairly even matchup against a team like Louisiana. The Coastal was right in there in the mix. When you're playing even levels like Clemson, North Carolina, for instance, you can't go one of 18 from three-point range and hope to beat the Tar Heels. Well, you can't turn it over 16 times and lead to 25 points and hope to beat the uh, Raging Cajuns. And that's sort of what happened on Saturday. Meantime, Gamecocks won a really Good victory for them at home against Mississippi State to open up SEC play to go to 13-1. and Still not ranked, but getting more votes, getting more attention. Michi Johnson is the SEC co-player of the week. And they just played great defense against Mississippi mm-hmm. State. They continue to play excellent defense. They have the number one defense in the SEC in terms of points allowed right now. And they found enough offense, 68 points, to win that game at home. They've got a good combination going right now. They've got a good flow going. They've got a good chemistry on that team. And 
I think they're being well coached by Lamont Paris yeah. uh, to this point. However, let's don't crown them SEC champions or let's don't put them in the tournament just yet, though some have. Still a long way to go and some tough times ahead as far as the competition they're going to be playing beginning tomorrow night at Alabama where they will face the number one offense in the SEC, a team that averages over 91 points per game, a team that loves to shoot the three. They have the SEC's leading scorer in Mark Sears at about 20 points per game. So let's see what they do in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night. Meantime, Clemson, I was up at Little John. Smitty covered the Gamecocks, all that on our website, sportstalksc.com. And up at Clemson, disappointing for the Tigers. You mentioned they're one for 18. And it was uh, they missed their first 14 in a row. And coming off the poor shooting in the second half against Miami in that loss, they went through a, a pretty long stretch of missing three-pointers. Had only one go down for them in the entire ball game, and that came in the second half. And also defensively had some breakdowns that allowed North Carolina to get some good looks in the second half when they put together a little bit of a run to uh, extend the lead. It was a tight ball game pretty much all the way through. North Carolina had a little bit of burst in the second half, and then they just sort of matched each other, and they were able to keep Clemson from putting together any kind of a rally. Uh, P.J. Hall fouls out for the second consecutive game. Yeah, that can't happen. He was not his uh, dominant, uh, effective self. Um, Shefflin was very, very good with the double-double, 16 points, 11 rebounds. He was... He was very good. Hunter, Chase Hunter, was was pretty good with his scoring as well. But just not enough there for Clemson. And so the Tigers now have lost two in a row. They dropped a 21 in the AP ranking this week, and they'll play at Virginia Tech on Wednesday night. We knew this stretch was going to be challenging for them, to say the least. No doubt. And, uh, you know, you go back to that's probably even one-off their poor shooting, but things you look at what they did against Miami. Uh, Brad Brownell very upset with his team's defensive play in the second half. I can't blame him. They were awful on the defensive end against Miami and allowed the Hurricanes to run away and hide from them in the second half. And then if you're Joe Girard, no knock on him, but if you're not making shots, you're not helping your team out at all because here's a guy who goes one of ten, missed all four of his threes. I mean, that's why they brought him in there. He is a guy they expect to be able to knock down outside shots, and when he's not making his shots and P.J. Hall fouls out, it's going to be awfully hard for Clemson to win ballgames. I mean, Chauncey Wiggins should not be the only player that Clemson has to make a three, Hmm. and that's a game that they they certainly had a chance to win and probably should have. I thought they would win at home, even even against North Carolina. Uh, but I, I was I was disappointed in the Tigers on the offensive side. Brad Brownell, I think, pointed out he was pleased with defense, and you you got to be holding North Carolina to 65 points and for the game just 42% shooting. But mm. when you just can't throw it in the ocean the way the Tigers did, it's going to be tough to beat anybody, especially a team as talented as North Carolina. All right, now to football. Boy, what a great day in the NFL yesterday, especially, especially if you are a Packer fan. Bring on them, Cowboys. Those dirt-licking, snake-bellied cowboys. Bring them on. Where is Jerome? I'm putting out the APB for Jerome in Charleston, the world's biggest cowboy fan. It's just, you know, Packers and Cowboys. That's the way it should be in the playoffs, Packers and Cowboys. Let's see what we got. I like my quarterback. I like my team when we're healthy. Love my running back. Defense has gotten better. Offensive line. Wide receivers are coming on. 
Maybe we'll get Christian Watson back for this one. That would be a help. Maybe we'll get A.J. Dillon back as well. That will be a help. I say let's go to Dallas and let's just lay it on the line. But great, great NFL football pretty much everywhere except in Charlotte. Wasn't it appropriate that the Panthers would close out the season by being (laughs) shut out? I mean, back-to-back shutouts to end the season. They fired their GM today. They've already fired their head coach. So Dave Tepper is going to throw the money around to somebody. Where do you think he'll go? Who will he try and get? Who can come in and rejuvenate? Do you hire the GM first and then the coach? Do you hire a coach GM? What do you do? I think you have to go get GM first, right? I mean, the head coach wants to know for whom he's working outside of the owner. And I saw a stat yesterday that I still can't wrap my mind about uh, around, and we retweeted this uh, just because it, it had to be the most ridiculous, sad, amazing stat of the season for the Panthers. They mm-hmm. won two games this year, and they did not run an offensive play in the entire fourth quarter all season long with the lead. Mm-hmm. How's that possible? I know. <laughs> I that mean- is really amazing. That is re- <laughs> I mean, that is the definition of ineptitude. And, There's no question. And do you stick with your quarterback? I mean, do you, do you just do – you, do you, of course, you don't have a first-round pick, but do you make some trades? Do you try to get into the first round? Do you take a quarterback? Do you believe in Young as your quarterback moving forward? Do you blame him? Does he have enough to work with? I mean, all these no. questions have to be answered. Well, the easy answer to the latter is no. He doesn't have enough around him to make his job easier. I think Bryce Young can be a serviceable and good quarterback. I don't know if he's ever going to be a superstar, but I think he can be a very good NFL quarterback, but they've got to get him some help. And the only reason you would trade, in my opinion, to get up into the first round is to go get him some help, not to go get a quarterback. I mean, the the one the quarterbacks you're going to want are going to be off the board uh, before you can maneuver up high enough in the draft. I don't think they have enough capital to try and move up inside the top five or top ten. So if you move up, I think you have to go try and get a wide receiver, maybe try and get a running back. Certainly need help on the offensive line. Uh, the defense wasn't all that bad this season. It was just all put in horrible positions by the worst offense that the Panthers have had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they do. And you talked. To, I thought this was interesting as well. You talked about the um, this being Black Monday in the NFL. The Falcons fired Arthur Smith at twelve oh one. Yeah. This morning, when the release came out, yeah, they <laughs> barely waited until Monday. I was to up, get that done. I was up working, and that thing popped up. I said, "Okay, there you go." They didn't waste <laughs> any time. By the way, the the teams in the NFL, the NFL wastes no time doing anything. So they've already put out not the schedules, but the opponents for each team for next year. So you know, the Panthers home and away will play the Falcons, Saints, and Buccaneers at home. They'll get the Cowboys, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Bengals. It's pretty sweet. Hmm. Away, Eagles, Commanders, Bears, Broncos, and Raiders. Pretty light schedule except for the Eagles right now based on this year. Uh, Pretty light schedule for the road when you consider Commanders bad, Bears bad, Broncos bad, Raiders bad. All missed the playoffs. So if you get the right guy in – I mean, your schedule, I think, is a little bit favorable. Of course, they do give you a lighter schedule when you have a lousy season. That was going to be my point. That's the one thing the NFL can do and control that college football doesn't. You know, South Carolina 5-7, and seven, it's not like they get the one of the easier schedules in the SEC next season to no. compensate for them having a bad year. Yeah. Their schedule gets more difficult. In the NFL, you look around, and, and what the NFL always wants is, what, 32 teams that I guess now 
nine and let's see, they play seventeen games, so nine and eight. That's what they want, or eight and nine. They yeah. want everybody around the same because they want uh, compet- you know competitive teams and everybody believing they've got a chance going into the playoffs. And for the most part, up until late in the season, with the exception of the Panthers and some of those other teams, there were teams playing yesterday that you would not have thought would have a chance to get into the playoffs, but still did. And then teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had such a good season, win the division or you're out. And they just couldn't come through yesterday. So, I mean, the NFL gets what it wants. It gets competitive balance across the board. And part of the reason is they're able to control the scheduling and have teams that were bad the year before get a little bit easier schedule so they can get better quickly. Yeah, they control everything. They control the world. I think they're the ones sending the storm into South Carolina, the NFL is, just because it can. It can create storms. Speaking of, Ben Portnoy, our buddy from Sports Business Journal, you hear him here on Sports Talk with the Port Authority. He's in Houston. He just tweeted the roof at NRG Stadium is leaking near the goal line on the Washington sideline. So I guess that well, big got a storm tornado. is blowing through Houston, yeah. huh? They've got a tornado watch for that portion of southeast Texas and in Louisiana through, I think, about 9 o'clock tonight. So it, it may be bumpy going once that uh, first half gets underway here in, what, an hour and 20 minutes or so? Yeah. A couple of quick notes, and then we'll get to phone calls. 888-898-2525. Former Gamecock defensive back. Not too many people remember this. Mark D'Antonio, who became one of the most successful college coaches of his time at Michigan State, selected to the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame class. This was a guy that South Carolina perhaps could have gone after at one time or another. Never really did make a play for him that I recall, a serious play one way or the other. But he's a graduate of South Carolina and goes to Michigan State after Cincinnati. He spent a couple of years at Cincinnati. Then he goes to Michigan State, makes it big, Michigan State. Now he's going into the Hall of Fame. And we told you about the polls. The USC women remain number one in the AP ranking. We're going to hear from uh, Dawn Staley from yesterday. I was at the game yesterday, and they won by 20. Got off to kind of a sluggish start. Actually trailed by five, then turned it around by the end of the first quarter. They shot 61% in the first quarter, and then they blew them out. She was just, you know, a 20-point win, but the performance not up to her standards. We'll let you hear from her coming up. Uh, interesting little note here from Paul Strelo of Tiger Illustrated citing Clemson's um, decision-making when it comes to the Portal John and their deference to the Portal John. He writes, from the 2022 class two years ago, 44% of recruits that Clemson offered who did not go to Clemson, who went elsewhere, have already transferred. 44% of the recruits they offered that went elsewhere have already transferred. Only two of their 20 signees have gone and won by choice. So I think what he's pointing out here is that Dabo Sweeney, the staff there, have been pretty smart with who they offer, making sure that people they offer want to stay in their program. And I do think Sweeney has a great approach to things, the way that he makes sure that before you get an offer from Clemson that you visit Clemson. They just don't hand out their offers here and there, just to see what sticks. You don't get an offer until you visit and you see them and they see you. Then they go from there. And then, of course, once you commit, you have to shut it down. I think that's a great way to operate. And you Agreed. can argue all night long, transfer portal recruiting or not, I still don't believe he wants to recruit the portal. I still don't believe that they try hard to recruit the portal. 
I mean, the evidence speaks for itself. They haven't taken anybody from the portal so far. They might have made a run at a player or two here or there, but I don't think they seriously go after these guys, to be honest with you. If they did, they'd get some front-line players. If they went after them sure they would. and put the money on the table like they really wanted them, they'd get some of these guys, but they don't. So I don't think they're really seriously interested in, in going after those guys. Uh, College of Charleston guard Bryce Butler is the CAA Player of the Week. And if you're looking for some slightly used Nike golf clubs, Tiger Woods has got 27 years' worth that he'll be more than happy to turn over to you. He's ending his association with Nike after 27 years. And really? Apparently because the, the, the clubs aren't any good is what people say. I don't play Nike. <laughs> All right? I've always been a ping guy. I've had the same set of ping irons for about 30 years. And they've held up just fine, thank you. Mm-hmm. So he's ending his association with Nike. So you got plenty of, uh, if you're looking for some slightly used irons, call Tiger. He might give you what he's got left over. Sorry to hear the news of the passing of former USC assistant basketball coach Rick Duckett. Knew him when he was at South Carolina on Dave Odom's staff and just just as fine a person as you'll ever meet. Just as fine a person as you'll ever meet. Great guy. Sorry to hear about his passing. I knew he'd been in poor health for a few years, and uh, very, very sorry to hear about uh, his passing in the last day or so. And Furman, sixth in the final FCS-AFCA top 25. And Bobby Bentley, remember him? Bobby Bentley is back in high school football coaching. He is going to be the head coach at Battleground Academy in Tennessee. Hmm. Battleground Academy in Tennessee. Doesn't sound like a real academic type of place, Battleground. Sounds like a place where you go to learn how to wrestle or weightlift or play football. Does it say where it is? It's in I'm Tennessee. It might be, yeah, in ten, in what town in Tennessee? Chattanooga? Uh, I'd have to look. It's in Franklin. Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. Franklin, Tennessee. Just outside of Nashville. Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. Phone number triple eight eight. Well, hey Pat, I didn't see you so, sitting man, there. How are you? You wouldn't be on air if I wasn't sitting. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing just fine for a Monday. You want to? We mentioned the storms out in you? Houston. We gotta prepare everybody out there for the storms coming across here. I know that's a. Uh, schools are already closed. Looks like all around yeah. m- many parts of the state. Mm-hmm. Tornado watch or warning and potential of hail. Three or four inches of rain, even maybe. Going to be quite a quite a storm tomorrow. We might be swimming to the studio tomorrow. I'm staying home. I might be swimming to the studio <laughs> Phil's tomorrow. Gonna, <laughs> Phil's going to have an e-learning day tomorrow <laughs> for uh, sports talk. You have any quick thoughts on your Panthers and they fired the GM and where they where they're going to go? What direction? Oh gosh, so many thoughts, so many. It's well, keep just, them short. It's just the la- what's the latest? Well, first of all, just a few things that happened under St- uh, Scott Fitterer's Panther ch- uh, Panther tenure. Some of the things that did not go right. Mm. First of all, you traded everything. Yeah, you <laughs> traded a high second and fourth and sixth round pick for Sam Darnold. How'd that turn out? You traded valuable picks for C.J. Henderson. Didn't turn out well. I don't agree with this one, but I have seen people point out the J.C. Horn taking him top 10 overall. I can't fault a young man for having injuries. That's no fault of his own. It's just been bad luck. But the easy thing, maybe it's low-hanging fruit, is to point out folks such as Patrick Sertain or uh, uh, Micah Parsons and some other what seemed to be most of the scouts thought were can't-miss, quote-unquote, can't-miss products coming out that the Panthers passed on and instead took J.C. Horn. Again, I don't want to be too hard on him. Not his fault, 
but it did happen under Scott Fitter. Hmm. You drafted uh, offensive lineman Icky out of six, uh, sixth overall out of NC State. Hasn't gone well. You let Reddick and Gilmore walk in favor of keep keeping Dante Jackson. Hasn't gone well. You paid Robbie Anderson uh, this, the equivalent money for a top 10 receiver in the NFL, and then you cut him or traded him, whatever the heck they did, not very long later. Mm-hmm. Never really did much for the Panthers after that. Reports came out this year of, quote, multitude of teams offering as much as two first-rounders for Brian Burns, but instead they elected to keep him, which I love Brian Burns, huge fan. Yeah, I agree. But you're wasting his career kind of like you did with McCaffrey. What good is he if you don't have anybody else around him? you got a bunch of injured guys on the defensive side. At this point, it's clearly a rebuild. All the other moves he's been making are clearly indicative of a rebuild. So why would you not trade your best defensive player to recoup draft picks rather than letting him get out of his prime just to have other guys around him? You might as well get him while, uh, trade him while he's still got some value. Then you traded the entire offensive player in the entire league for DJ Johnson and pennies on the dollar and Christian McCaffrey. Again, was glad to see him traded, glad to see him do well out in San Fran, but at the same time, you didn't get jack in return for him. Mm-hmm. And remember, you also traded some of the things you got, the assets in return, as part of that trade to go out and get Bryce Young last year. You also got rid of your top receiver in that trade, top offensive playmaker aside from McCaffrey, and DJ Moore. So you essentially traded your two best offensive players and haven't really gotten a ton in return. We, maybe the jury's still out on Bryce Young. I do like him a lot. He showed a lot the last three or four weeks of the season, coincidence or not, after Frank Reich was fired. But he did show potential, but they have to get some support around him. They have to get some weapons for him on offense. They have to protect him by shoring up the offensive line. In the last couple of years, you've had multiple offensive line picks in the draft that were just complete whiffs or seem to be complete whiffs, and that just that can't happen. You're using high draft capital and you're drafting, you're taking chances on guys. If you're taking top 10 picks, those have to be as close to guaranteed or surefire picks as possible. And he's just, he's just seemed to neglect that. And it's just, you hear about teams taking, Bill Belichick's is, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are the easy answer here. People having late round flyers on people and you hit on a few of them. Sure, you miss a lot. I, I would challenge one Panther fan out there to tell me the last late round pick for the Panthers, the last flyer pick that hit. Because I don't know if you're going to find one. So during the time that Fitterer was in Carolina, the Panthers went 14-37 and 37 overall. He also, of course, hired Frank Reich last season, who Tepper then fired after a 1-2 and two start this year. That was just embarrassing. Again, it's just been one embarrassment after another. And I apologize, I'm struggling to kind of get my thoughts cohesive here. Mm. But it's just been one thing after another. And I can't help but think, as, as bad as Fitterer was, and he did need to be fired, is he just being looked at as a scapegoat? Like, I don't even know if the owner, David Pepper, Pepper, uh, Tepper, really thought that he did a bad job or if he just wanted to shift the blame to somebody else. Now, read us your prepared comments. That was just all off the top of your head. (laughs) That was all off the top of my head, yeah. The uh, prepared comments are, I will always be a Panthers fan, but golly, they're making it tough these days. It's hard. Between personnel decisions, off-field decisions, the way they interact with the general public in South Carolina, North Carolina, complete disdain for your pan- for your fans, complete disdain mm. for taxpayers in both states, they're making it increasingly difficult. All right, and our cold question, question is, will of they the promote, week. Will they promote uh, Dan Morgan into that full-time GM role? Yeah. I hope so. I think he'd They've be great. they got that opportunity. All right, They've got po- that opportunity. I want to give our poll question of the week. We'll come back from the break and dive into phone calls. Poll question of the week. Shane Beamer's recruited the transfer portal. As hard as any head coach, his 15 commitments are the third most nationally, according to On3. 
which ranks a transfer class nationally at number four, and there could be more. How much do you think Beamer has improved his program with the transfers? 481 votes in this afternoon. 75% improvement, 34.3% say that. He'd sign off for that, I would believe. 50% improvement, 25.4%. A 25% improvement, 21.4%. And a 100% improvement, 18.9%. So if you take the 34 and the 18, you add that up, that's 52% believe that they're at least 75% better with these transfers at this point going into spring practice. We'll go over some of those names and some of the background on them tonight as we talk more about this. After the break, your phone calls will be welcomed. 888-898-2525. You notice whenever Chris is here, there's less time for phone calls for some reason? Uh, We'll hit the break and be right back. Well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow down along the coast through the state of South Carolina, but one thing I can promise you, there will still be a beach in South Carolina tomorrow, and you're still going to want to go visit it sometime this spring or sometime this summer. And whatever is left standing, we hope everything is left standing, Jimmy Smith and the staff at James Smith Realty uh, can put you in a great location in a great uh condo or a home whatever you're looking for so if you haven't made your plans yet you need to you need to grab that location 843-237-4246 paulie's vacation rentals.com when you get jimmy on the phone be sure to ask him about his days as an outstanding running back at uh, andrews high school where he uh, will tell you that he outran many uh, defensive players from the state of florida who are supposed to be faster than players here in South Carolina. So just ask him. He'll be happy to tell you. Jimmy Smith, James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246. Jimmy ever tell you about that, Chris, about the time he outran uh, defensive backs from Florida? I have not heard that story. Mm. Why was he playing defensive backs from Florida? I think they were just playing a game in Florida. I think they were playing a game in Florida back in his day, for whatever reason. Okay. To the phones, 888-898-2525. Thank you for uh, calling in and waiting. And let's see. Oh, this is shocking. Gamecock Larry. Swansea leads us off this week. Larry, hope you had a great weekend. You're feeling well. Had a good weekend. Good basketball game. Ladies and the men. Uh, Got some players in from the transfer portal. Mm Mm-hmm. Went down the day to sign my NIL deal when the Basin motocross team walked in and the gentleman looked at me and said, well, where's your lawyer? Where's your agent? I said, look, I said, I don't need no agent. I don't need no lawyer. Why should I pay somebody to do the job that I can do? Told them what I wanted. I said, if you don't want to give it to me, I'll hit the portal. Mm. I'll go where it will take me. So I just told her what I wanted. We signed a deal and walked out. <laughs> feeling good. Feeling good. Like, 
But let me tell you something about this basketball team down there in LSU. I have followed a lot. I've watched a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. But that coach that they got down there at LSU, I think her name is Kim Mulkey. But let me tell you something. She is a disgrace to the basketball world. She's a rich player of the lady in basketball. She out there throwing that, well, throwing her arms around, trying to hit the referee, got all them flashy clothes on. Boy, I tell you what, I'd be ashamed to even that. I'd be ashamed to act like that. But that's that's her. They love her there. And she just won a national championship. Yeah. She can do no yes, wrong. Sir, they love her what? there. Let me tell you something. If well, I know we lost. We lost one game out of the last I think sixty something. One game because one young lady got hot and beat us by four points. And Dawn let us let her down. I don't know what happened to Dawn. But I must tell you something. We beat LSU two times last year, but they 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 champions there. Yeah. But if when we go down there, I think the thirtieth, and we go down there, if we don't take them down, it's gonna hurt. Mm. That's 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 worse than Clemson playing Carolina in football. If we don't beat Clemson, it hurts us for three hundred and sixty five days. If we don't beat if we don't beat Kim Mulkey down there in LSU, I'll tell you what, it's gonna be a long, long year. But that's that's let me see what else I want. Oh yeah, Mr. I had did did uh did the did the Gamecocks lose uh, the player Cam Pringle? Is that his name? Cam Pringle in the NIL uh, to transfer portal. Cam Pringle, I think that was his name. Four or five star. Well, he is a um, he's a a freshman signee who is. Who signed in this year's class? So I'm not aware of anything. Okay, those lines. okay, that yeah. that had me worried. I knew I could get the right answer from you, but uh, let me tell you about my NIL deal. Walked in and told them what I wanted. Mm-hmm. They looked up at me and we signed the papers. And I tell you what, my speed was going to be. If you want some tender, loving care for your automobile, take it down to Clark's Care Car, Clark's Car Care, on a Sydney and stop and tell them old Gamecock Larry sent you. Well, it's not really Gamecock. No, Larry, I know Larry, he's supposed to say no, that. No, Larry, Larry, no, 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 no. It's not Assembly and Sumter. It's Elmwood and Sumter. You need to give the correct oh, location. Elmwood and Sumter. Yeah. I know I ain't supposed to. You, you, y'all said that's a free advertising. I ain't advertising for the Clark, 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 
What up, Larry? All right, Larry, we got to go. I got a racing team. I got a racing team and a motocross team ready to hit it. All We're right. going to win everything. Go. That- <laughs> All right. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Whew. Yeah. That's a lot to lot to. He's uh, feeling digest. good, though. He's feeling good. <laughs> 89 years old. About 89. Is that right? 88? I think he's war vet. No, feeling good, happy for him. Let's go to Hank in Columbia. And Hank, I know exactly what you're going to say. I know you. I read you like a book. I wish you had been my professor in college back in the day. You're going to say, "Corn, thank you for getting the USC women straight at the free throw line. Thank you for helping to improve their free throw shooting by talking about how bad." their free throw shooting was ever since i said that they've been nailing it from the foul line so you're welcome happy to do it for you where are you there's so much background noise where are you oh i'm in uh montgomery alabama what you doing there I just doing some work, doing some work. Oh. Had to, had to come out here quickly for some work. Okay. So, Corn, what I was going to say is, you know, I've never called Corn. I've never understood why people would call you Corn, Coon, and Tiger Field. But uh, with your opening monologue, you seem like you wanted everybody to slow down and, and don't, don't, don't give no credit, don't, don't uh, annoy them. No, there isn't a kill out of men's basketball team like they beat Mississippi State, which Mississippi State was picked to pick in the upper half of the league. I think they were picked seven, but they did the pitches opposed to pick seven. And the reason that Paris is with the EFT and Coach of the Week is because Mississippi State, if you were at the game, they had three guys down low that uh, were as big as anybody, in the, probably bigger than anybody in the league. They're three guys with like Rick Mahorn. And so there's some teams in the league that have some long guys, but they, they, they don't have the girth that those three guys had down and got them up again. And they put them in one of the best, best defense teams in the league. And so they got a lot of credit not only nationally, but they got credit with the guys on the SEC Network who normally never get them credit because of the fact that they think that Mississippi State would still be a great team and it's a solid tournament team. And then you turn around and on the same breath one, it's almost like you tried to make excuses for the person lost, and you know they could have done this better. And so, you know, I, I, I wonder about that. I mean, they're not. I'm saying USC world beaters, but what are you going to do? Wait if they play seven games, and then whenever they get that first loss, you'll say, "Yeah, I told you so. I told you so." That's just my split personality coming out of me, Hank. <laughs> See, here's the thing. This is what. This is what separates us from the rest of the world. And we're going to have to let you go because it's so noisy, I can't even think. It's what separates us from the rest of the world. We're not bandwagoners. We're realists around here. 13-1 and one is a tremendous start. Recognized, acknowledged, 1-0 and oh in the SEC. That's very nice. But there, there's a lot of games left, and I want to see more as they go deeper into this competition in the SEC before I – I crown the Gamecocks uh, champions, just like with Clemson, which got off to their good start. Now they've stumbled the last two times out. And people are – eyebrows are starting to raise about Clemson. Are they all that good after their really good start, but they've lost to Memphis? 
They've lost to Miami, two on the road, and then they lose at home to North Carolina. That's got to raise some questions. If South Carolina goes and plays Alabama in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night and wins or plays a really close type ball game, well, that will speak volumes to me, Chris. But I'm, I've seen it too much. I've seen the, the big early starts only to fade and become a 500 or worse team, not just South Carolina, others, when they get to sure. league play. Because the league teams know you best. They study you more. You play them more. They know your weaknesses inside and out. I'm willing to kind of sit back and wait a little bit before I'm willing to come out and, and ex, ex, uh, uh, proclaim this team, South Carolina team, the, the Clemson team. I mean, look, the South Carolina women, yes, their greatness continues. There's been no drop-off. They might have even taken it up another notch from last year. I think year. they're maybe better. Yeah. Uh, so you can proclaim they've got them. An game. Yeah, you can, can proclaim them a Final Four contender from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't believe one win is enough in a league to say that they've arrived yet. Give it some time. Let's see how they do. There's plenty of opportunity to heap praise on them once they deserve it. Well, and I think right now, I think they should be ranked. I really do. And I think part of this is the Associated Press writers didn't rank them, didn't think they were going to be any good at the beginning of the season, and now the Gamecocks are proving them wrong, and they don't want to admit they made a mistake. I get it. Their net ranking is, what, 41st, I believe, so, you know, another win or so. And quite frankly, maybe Lamont Paris doesn't mind they're not ranked because he can leave that, and that's another sort of quiver in his, in his you know, that he can use and mm-hmm. say, look, guys, nobody's giving you any respect across the board. And how they played against Mississippi State was tremendous, uh, especially getting on the glass. Hank talked about how big Mississippi State was, and Lamont Paris said it after the game. He said, we said we had to rebound or we would not win the game. They out-rebounded Mississippi State. They won the game. Uh, it was that simple. That and the fact that Michi Johnson was terrific in that ball game, and when Mississippi State made a run at them and they started struggling, especially late, who was it that came up with a huge play for them that turned the game back in their favor? It was Michi. Uh, they're a fun team to watch, and you talk about the starts. What's this? Just the sixth time in program history they've had a start like this at thirteen and one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're 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 in rare territory right now already, and they've already won more games than they won all of last year, which is hard to believe. So, I mean, there are a lot of things to be positive about with that basketball team. But you're right. I mean, they're one game in the FCC play. They've got 17 more to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a long road. And tomorrow night will, will, I think, be a major litmus test for them. If they go in, I'm, I'm guessing they're probably going to be close to double-digit underdogs, I would think, at Alabama, especially the way that Alabama scores. But if they're able to take that game late in the fourth, qu- uh, fourth quarter, late in the uh, second half, the way that uh, they did at Clemson, have a shot to win, I think that, that, especially if they're able to pull off the upset, I mean, then you start really talking about them as a serious contender in the SEC. And to add on to that, so real quick, Phil, to add on to that, Chris, Hank's point, Mississippi State was picked seventh by the media in the preseason, USC dead last at 14th. Currently right now, South Carolina is 23, this is on Warren Nolan, 23 in the RPI, and let's see, in the net, they are 42. They moved up a spot from, I'm sorry, 43, they moved – Wait, how'd they move back a spot? Because that's how the net works. Yeah, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm sorry. No, no, I've read it backwards. They moved up one spot, whereas Clemson somehow also moved up one spot, even though they lost twice last week. So, hey, explain that to you. But Clemson's 23. Where I'm going with this, though, is South Carolina's 23 in the RPI. I agree that they should be ranked, especially just where they are from where they were. And I'd like to celebrate the fact that both of these teams are, are either ranked or close to it and both off to great starts right now. They at least have aspirations or a chance for the NCAA tournament. 
And on this show in years past, we've kind of poked fun at the fact that some of our teams around the state aren't very good and who's going to call in that's interested? Who cares? Clemson's good, but do fans actually care? Mm -hmm. I like the fact that we're actually able to talk hoops on this show because we have multiple in-state programs having a great season. And now the Cougars down in Charleston are starting to wake up too. And Clemson right now in the net is, I'm sorry, RPI, So there's so many different rankings now, but in the RPI, Clemson is still seven, even after going one and two last week. And their three losses were to Memphis, who's number nine in the RPI, North Carolina, who's number 13 in the RPI, and Miami, who's number 27 in the RPI, and finally healthy. Miami lost an overtime game at Wake Forest. They did. So here's the net around the state. Clemson 23, South Carolina 42, Charleston is 99. Hang on, Chris. We'll get to Coastal in a minute. Uh, Winthrop yeah, is 158. <laughs> Wofford's 171. Citadel is 187. Stand by, Chris. We'll get to you in a second. <laughs> Furman is 189. Presbyterian is 298. We're getting to you. Upstate is 308. Coastal Carolina is 315. SC State is Tell 331. Me a <laughs> SC State is 331. And Charleston Southern is 350. That's the net ranking for the 12 D1 teams around the state. Go to the break and come back with more of your phone calls. Number 888-898-2525. Love to hear from you. We'll continue with your calls. Going to update recruiting coming up for you as well. Just a little bit. And college football board meeting today. Leaders delayed a 5 plus 7 vote, but they say it is eventually going to happen. So keep an eye on that moving forward. Be right back. This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000, whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the Second Chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win fifty, seventy-five, dollars dollars or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much, so get your tickets today. See SCEducationLottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second Chance odds depend on number of entries received. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Recruiting coming up. Uh, Jim Corbett and Kevin Cohen, as you know, trying to break the tie for the Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge. We've got both of their picks in. Jim will join us live a little bit after 7 to give his side of the story. Kevin couldn't join us on air, but we'll we'll debate his side. And then uh, we'll have with us at to the bottom of the hour to give us some uh, details of the breakdown of the game, the preview from uh, the coach, Zach Willis. Right now, back to your phone calls we go. 888-898-2525 is the phone number. And we're going to go next to, to a Tiger Brian. Tiger Brian over in Lancaster. Welcome in, Tiger Brian. Hope you're doing well. Man, I'm doing great. I hope you all doing great. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you what. Hey, yeah, hey. I'm glad to hear old Gamecock Larry. Because you know what? This week, last weekend, Friday, I told you I was going to. I was the backup season way back for the band. Yes, sir. Because I was way back. <laughs> but there was people asking me, do you talk about I said, yes. Yeah. So how's Gamecock Larry doing? Those Gamecock fans. You know, I, I mean, and, you know, it just made me feel so good. I said, well, I don't know. But I hear him tonight. Yeah, I'm going to text him, people, and tell him, hey, he's sounding good. You know what I mean? So you're, mean, telling me, you're telling me that you can't go anywhere without people recognizing you now because yeah, of hey, your appearances on Sports Talk. They said, they said, Cohen's your best friend, ain't he? I said, no, my wife is. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't want to come between that, if you know what I mean. No, yeah, you can't. Right, I don't go that way. You know what I mean? But really, I all all seriously, they was uh, a kid and they were sponsored who had cancer and stuff and you know Tiger Brian did this. What'd you do? He goes up there with the band on those I said, Look, I'll I'll make twenty dollars to anybody in the house. There's about 200 people in there. I don't know what they got, but there was more 20s than I've seen in a long time. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know. Well, I think that's a great thing. I think that's a great thing. You always do that. I've heard you tell us many times about the good deeds you do in the community, and I know it's appreciated. I'll try. try. But you know what? Y'all are the bomb. I don't care what nobody says. Mm -hmm. Anybody says something about y'all. If I find out, I'm gonna see something. I'm not gonna do it. I'll see a ninja down there and get take care of me. You know I mean? Yep. <laughs> you got our backs. Are you saying you've got our backs? Uh, you know, I, I got your back way back. We right? appreciate well, look, that. This, this is last thing I'm gonna say. Hey, 
You better watch out for my Titans next year. Football. Mm. Mm. Uh, you see that DJ Bull on the American uh, Bowl? Oh, uh, yeah. He was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> hey, yeah. he's the best on the field for me. He made some good catches. That was a high school game, but he made some good catches. But, yeah, oh, okay. You don't think he can do he can come out I did just say, why does everybody want to crown well, better, everybody better, and everything with say, championships before they even step on campus? Hey, remember his name. I told you when Sammy Walker, I said, remember Sammy Walker's name. Right. You said, oh, no, same thing. That kid's going to be yeah. there. I, think, well, I remember there. this I remember this phone call, too. Hey, remember the name of Frank Latson. When he gets there, <laughs> remember Frank Latson. <laughs> I see it. I see it. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. Remember the name of remember the name of uh, a a Joe a Joe. He is here. Oh, Joe a Joe. He's, he's from Canada. And he's got a funny name, and he's gonna make all kind of catches. Remember that name? Yeah, yeah. I remember that name. Hey, now the worst one was uh, the quarterback from uh, the went to North Greenville. From where? I went and watched him play it. Willie Corn. Willie Corn. Willie Corn. I remember that. Remember Willie Corn. When he gets there, Willie Corn, he's dominant out here now. Yeah, I'm eating crow right now. <laughs> hey, you remember I told you that? I, I know, Tiger Brian. I know. Hey, I went, hey, we went up there. Uh, I think it was up there in York or somewhere. He looked like a damn. Hey, he looked like he made a damn Heisman Trophy. Well, you know what? About Willie Korn, I think it's a bad – and thank you, uh, Tiger Brian. He was beset by injuries in yeah, his that, time at Clemson. That shoulder injury did yeah. him, man. He was never – his arm was never the same. Yeah, so let's give him a little bit of slack. Great kid. Turned into a pretty good coach, too. Yes. Absolutely. On the, on the rise, right? Mm-hmm. On the rise. Yep. Okay, we're going to hit the break. We'll come back with more calls, more sports talk, recruiting coming up. Don't go away. <laughs> Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, we are back. It is Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network, Monday night here in South Carolina, the calm before the storm. But we are the storm that is followed by the calm when we sign off at 8 o'clock. Right now, the storm is ongoing in South Carolina. Why is that? Because we bring the storm. We bring the heat here on Sports Talk. Phone number 888-898-2525. In just a moment, Jim Corbett will join us. And we'll give you our picks. Our picks don't count because we're out of the competition. But we'll give you our three picks on the game tonight. And Jim will give his, and we'll give you Kevin Cohen's pick. Jim and Kev are tied for the championship of the Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge. The winner gets an 8 by 11 signed glossy of me. So that's what they're vying for, which I think is, you know, in, in an auction would be worth a lot of money, uh, Chris. How many of those... How many of those do you have? How many of those have I given you? 
the corn sign glossies. I have two hanging up, one in my bedroom and one here in the game room. <laughs> the one in the game room I throw darts at. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and recruiting is coming up as well. Uh, let's go to, before we get to Jim, though, uh, let's go to uh, Keith in Camden. Been hanging for a bit. Let's uh, welcome him in. Keith, good to have you with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Hey, Phil, Chris, Pat. Um, Phil, you made a comment about 15 coming into Carolina uh, on the transfer portal, and you were talking about Dabo's, uh, whether it's willingness or unwillingness to uh, dive into that crazy waters. Just a comment, and then I want to hear what you think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get where Beamer's at. I mean, if, let's just forget NIL and go back five years. Uh, we're going to struggle to go head-to-head -head against Georges and the big boys of the world. But when you throw in the landscape of NIL now, and think about it, 50% of your incoming class is NIL. I, I just don't see uh, – Whoa, 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 whoa. How, what do you mean – no, no. What do you mean NIL? Everybody's NIL. 100% well, yeah. of your players are NIL. Well, you mean so transfers. Transfer. Yeah. And you got 50% 50, 50 of your class is coming in as transfer. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see – I get what he's doing. He doesn't have any choice. Um, but how do you create any stability and continued success? I, I just – I don't see it happening. I think it's a giant mountain to climb and – uh, I mean, I'm all Carolina, but I, I understand where Debo's weathering the storm. And uh, uh, you, how do you get any stability? I mean, you got you got what 28 to 30 kids coming in, 15 of them are transfers, and we're doing that every year. I, I don't know. Maybe it works. I just don't see how it works. I, I know it's uh, hard. I know it's hard for people of our era. You're in that era. Well, I know it's hard. I, watch, I know it's hard to get your brain around it. I, I understand that, but I mean, it is the new world order in college sports. Some teams, some schools have chosen to dive into it. Uh, very few have chosen not to go there at all. You can probably count on one hand the number of teams that do not take a a true when I say a true transfer, somebody that they really wanted to come in and play. Clemson will say, yeah, we've taken transfers, Hunter Johnson and Paul Tyson. Yeah. But, I mean, those were just, no, not to, no offense to those kids, but they weren't taken to come right. in and play. Um, so very few do not dip their toe into that water today. Um, so it's, it's the way of the world. And you, you're not building so much a program as you're just building a team year by year. Because the Gamecocks, using them as an example, they've had – 15 transfer commits plus a junior college commit. So that's 16 transfers, 21 transferring out. So that's a lot of coming and going. That does not include the departures of players who declared for the draft or who graduated. That's pretty yeah, heavy well, turnover when you add it all up, but that's just the way the game is going to be played by and large all across the country now and until some rules can be put in place that can stick – then the transferring is going to continue. The portal is wide yep. open. They, they, they don't seem to have any desires to try to restrain it. They've given players more and more um, freedom now that they've said you can transfer twice. 
without penalty. Well, what if I want to transfer a third time without penalty? How are you going to stop me? Well, so, well, Phil, let me ask you this. I, I hear you, but the the Clemsons, the Georgias, do you? Uh, I, I don't see them bringing in. Well, I think Georgia's bringing in four this year. Well, they just got I a mean, quarterback. Just they just took a commitment from the uh, the starting quarterback at U. I think he's a starting quarterback at UNLV. Just committed to Georgia. Yeah. Supposed yeah. to be pretty they, good. Right, right. And and we're and another thing you talked about the offers, uh, the way Dabo does it. I, I I don't know. It feels like we just throw it out there and pray something sticks. Go back and look how many offers we made last year, uh, compared to the offers Clemson made. Uh, y'all have a good evening. All right, enjoy the show. Thank you. That, listen, it's I've a, got a question to follow up. Let on, me just on let me just answer point. him real yeah. quick. I mean, it's just all uh, it's all a matter of uh, preference and how you mm-hmm. want to approach it. You know, some schools like to put out a lot of offers to a lot of kids, many of whom they have no intention on really recruiting hard or taking, but they put the offer out there, and then some places offer very few. They identify them early, they bring them in for their junior days. They decide who they want to offer, make those offers, bring them back for official visits, and then get the ones that they can. Go ahead. Don't remember Davo's recruiting philosophy early in his career, but was he as stringent with regards? Has this always been his philosophy, i.e., you have to come on campus, we, want, we only offer a few? Or did that start happening once they got the program where it's rolling to what we know Clemson football as? And also, do you believe if the transfer portal had been around when he was coming off his third season, much the way Beamer is, off a losing season overall, would he have delved into the transfer portal if that had been available to him to try and make a quick jump start? To his program now the next year i think they won 10 games after that and uh the rest of this history but had the transfer portal been available back then do you think his philosophy might have changed because of the current status of the clemson program then it's it's easy to look at where it is now mm. but you kind of have if you're going to compare it to what south carolina and beamer are going through you got to go back to when Dabo was just starting to get his feet wet you must right? think i'm close enough to sweeney to hit him with an elbow in a pickup <laughs> basketball game <laughs> do you see the shiner he had I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Is that what happened? Well, either that or he he ran into the dude from Spartanburg. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Tyler. Tyler, yeah. yeah. Shoot, he ought to give Tyler a, a Christmas card. That was the best motivational speech of the year Tyler, for his team. Tyler. Thank you for calling Tyler. Um, I think uh, you're – well, I think that the answer is he once he, once he got the bully pulpit, you know, once mm-hmm. he developed his program and, and got it winning and it got to a point where he could do that. No, early on, I don't think he could do that. I don't right. think he could not offer a bunch of people. I don't think he could not tell people you can't take other visits if you commit to us. But once he reached a certain point of power and success, you know, then he could do that. I can't tell you exactly when that philosophy fell into place. I can't identify a year when he started telling his recruits once you commit to us you know shut it down or don't commit his things and you really can't blame him his thing has always been you don't have to commit but if you commit i expect you to shut it down and i think yeah. every coach should I like take that, that approach yeah. yeah i really do now because some coaches say why should i do that and take away the fun for the players who want to take other visits when i'm confident enough that they'll still stay with us that's an approach as well 
I don't want to rob these kids of the chance to take other visits and enjoy the recruiting process. I get that. And they could still do that. Just don't commit. I think that's Dabo's point. But if you are committing, I trust your word that you're committing to the program. But, yeah, I'm just I'd be fascinated if we could roll back to 2010. You know, Dabo's coming off a six and seven campaign. Tiger's kind of floundering around. Uh, Would he have delved into the portal and attacked it the same way that Shane Beamer is coming off a five and seven campaign? And oh, by the way, his third season. Yeah. All right. Uh, Good points. All let's uh, go to the phones. We welcome in. Good friend of Sports Talk, gentleman Jim Corbett, attorney for the Stars here in Columbia, but now probably best known for winning a share of the, uh, I guess we can't call it regular season, but pre-championship game part of our Pick'em contest. Uh, Jim, going 8-7 uh, and seven in bowl season, tied with Kevin Cohen, who went 7-8. and eight. Both are 48 and 37 going into tonight's championship game pick. Welcome, Jim. Good to have you with us. Phil, how are you doing? Congratulations to Kev and to Smitty for getting nine and six in the bowls. Mm. Yeah, but he was so that far was in the a... basement. Now he's just – he can see light. He's worked his way we, uh... up where he can see light. Yeah, we only got eight out of 15. <laughs> the top score was nine, and I got eight out of 15 bowl games. I don't know. Maybe it was end-of-the-season blues. <laughs> bowl games are hard to pick. They're hard yeah, to pick. I didn't know who was playing. I didn't know who was playing sometimes. <laughs> you know, and, and it was just, you know you had to you had to read up on everybody. Well, who's going to play in that game? Well, well, they can't win without that guy. So that's right. Uh, well, was, teams are was, different in bowl season if they're not playing in the in the playoffs. So, but a good picking season for you, forty eight and thirty seven, an eight and seven. Congrats on that, and we appreciate you playing along with us. So, who oh, you man. got tonight in the championship game? Well, first of all, the pleasure is all mine for playing in it, and I just have to go with Michigan. It seems to me like a seven-point win for the for Michigan, so I picked them and and I did the, the my points. I picked thirty-one twenty-four as a score. Mm-hmm. I think they'll cover the seven point. The, the it was four point five in ours, and I think five and a half in some other places by now. And you know, I picked the score and I said, "Oh man, I better check the over under just to make sure I'm not really far off." And I was right on. So so I feel good about that. I think that it's just going to be one of those games where the line play makes the difference. If you look at Alabama against Michigan. You know, Alabama had a couple of times where they could have seized momentum and they made mistakes. But Michigan was there toe-to-toe with them. You know, 27-20 game overtime is not a high-scoring game, but the line is what Michigan was missing the last couple of years in the playoff. You know, that's why they didn't win, because they couldn't do it. They had some skilled players. They had some, some great defenders. They had some really quick defensive backs, and the defensive backs are going to give really uh, a big test to Penix tonight. But they didn't have the line play. I think that's the difference in the game tonight. I think Penix... We'll have his magical plays everyone will remember. He's good for 24 points. You know, uh, hopefully Dylan Johnson's okay. You know, he's going to play, but he was hurt. And you just saw the injury, you know, last week. Oh, you know, I hope he's, he's back at it. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it, I think it's going to be somewhat of a running game with uh, Johnson and Blake Corum um, both going at it. And I think uh, they both are going to have good games. But, you know, spectacular games, I'm not so sure. Um, and, you know, so much in college football – there's a, a time when the, the, everybody gets a little tired and things break down a little bit, and the quarterback, if he can run, can make a big difference. And I think McCarthy's got that. Uh, you know, he does what he's supposed to. Penix is the guy with all the stats, 63% completion rating. You know, he's got uh, 35 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, he's going to be, you know, a pick, high pick in the draft. McCarthy's got a 73% passing completion rate. 
22 touchdowns, four interceptions. And the big thing to me that stuck out was Penix only ran for 13 yards this year, 32 carries. And I can't remember if college, if they take it off of the running or the passing. I think it's off the passing. But um, McCarthy, he ran the ball twice as much and had 171 yards. No, sacks in so, college, sacks in college come right. off the running game. Running game, yeah. So, so anything that Penix got in, on the ground was taken off uh, by the um, by the sacks, and anything McCarthy got was reduced by it. But he still outgained him by you know 100 yard, 160 yards, um, twice as many carries. So it shows that he's more mobile. And I just think with the line play being so strong. Uh, such a big factor, and um, you know, someone else on another radio show pointed out that Washington, if they won, would have the worst defensive efficiency of any team that won the national championship. I just kind of think it's a Michigan game. Seven points, not too many, but well, at least they'll cover uh-huh. the, the four and a half we've got. And um, you know, it should be an exciting game. And you know, people talking about Harbaugh's last game, and that'll that'll add a little bit of a spice to it. But this uh, this could be the Harbaugh year. You know, you got Jim, uh-huh. you got uh, John with uh, the Ravens, and. You know, I was going to kid Kevin about the Detroit Lions. You know, they should be in the Super Bowl this year. Maybe they'll go against John Harbaugh's Ravens. It'll be an all-Harbaugh affair and then, you know, an all-Michigan uh, all affair in there, too. Well, you know, so. Kev is from Michigan. He's from Detroit, so he's yeah. having a great year. He's having a great year with his Lions, and he had a great year with his Wolverines from the standpoint that's his native state, but he is a Florida guy since he went to the Gators, right. so he'll tell you he's a Gamecock right. since he's here in Columbia. But I know, you peel the onion back, he's a Gator boy. But he yeah. is picking Washington. He's taking the four and a half points, so okay. he is picking Washington. Let me ask our guys here, uh, Chris, which way are you going? you taking Washington the points, or are you uh, taking Michigan? I love Jim's breakdown. I think he's uh, he ought to go on game day. I'm not sure those guys can do a better job than what Jim just did. But I will say this. I think Washington's offensive line is really, really talented. And the ability they have with Michael Penix and those wideouts to throw the football down the field, they can also run it as well. I think that gives them the advantage. Now the question is, can they match up as be as physical as Michigan is going to be? And Michigan is going to rely heavily, you would think, on Corum to run the football and behind their offensive line. I think the lines of scrimmage is going to be fun to watch if you like old school foot sort of smash mouth football with mm-hmm. the, the aspect of throw it down the field as much as you can for Washington. I think Michigan wins. I'm actually going to pull for Washington. I would think it's kind of a cool story if the final year of the Pac-12 that their champion is actually the <laughs> national champion i think that'd be kind of funny but uh, i think probably michigan pulls this out because i think they're going to be more physical yeah that would be the ironies of ironies wouldn't it because here you go you killed off the pac-12 and in their last year of existence you win the national championship mm-hmm. which will will the pac-12 claim it or will the uh will the big 10 where's they're going <laughs> to the big 10, 10 right yeah, will, will they take yeah. credit regardless uh pat which way are you going I've been going back and forth on this, and once again, I got to give a lot of credit to Jim there. That that was that was a terrific, terrific breakdown there. I think I have to go Washington. I, it's one of those heart versus brain type things. My heart wants to go Washington, but my brain is overriding it and saying uh, to go to go Washington. I just think it comes down to a few key factors. First of all, we're going to see strength versus strength. Washington's offensive line, which of course won the Joe Ward we, Joe Moore Award for best offensive line in the country. And they did great against uh, um, Texas. They did not allow a single sack. And we saw, though, Michigan manhandle, and I'm going to use the word manhandle Alabama in that game. 
the the defensive, especially the front seven that they were able to put together, not just the front four, but they bring a lot of pressure from the linebackers as well. That front seven was just was just terrific. I mean, they have they have thirty eight sacks on the season. Uh, that blitz package they ran had Nick Saban's head spinning. I feel like all night long, and Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator could not figure out how to stop it. And I think that is kind of even between the two. But what's going to split that into uh, into Michigan's favor is Dylan Johnson, the running back's injury. That foot injury sustained at the end of the Sugar Bowl against Texas. They've been really quiet. We've hear, we've heard that he's going to be playing, but to what extent? How bad is that injury? I expect Michigan to test that early out, but they're going to do their best to try to turn Washington into a pass-heavy attack and maybe blitz from the corners a lot to try to keep Penix into the middle of the field. They're not going to let him to get to the outside because he's got great wheels as well, and I think they're going to try to contain him and rely on Dylan Johnson being out and force Penix to throw the ball 35, 40 times in this game. And then, like Chris pointed out, uh, Washington has not been that great against stopping the run this season. Meanwhile, Michigan is terrific and has a two-headed monster at running back in a terrific offensive line. I expect them to try to minimize the the offensive possessions for both teams, trying to minimize the opportunities Michael Penix Jr. has to score against them. And I think it'll be a very low-scoring game. I've already put my money on the under. I'm going 17-13 Michigan. Wow. Woo! Woo! All right. Well, first I was thinking Washington, but then after thinking about it, and taking a look at some things, I don't, I don't see how you bet against the Michigan defense. I think their defense yeah. is just really, really. You just look at the numbers and you go, okay, they're averaging, giving up ten points per game. They're giving up two hundred and forty-three points per game. Conversely, Washington is giving up twenty-four points, four hundred and four. They give up two sixty-seven through the air, one hundred thirty-seven on the ground. I mean, that's a tremendous balance there. I don't see how you, against a really good offense like Michigan, I don't see how you overlook that. Give me Michigan. I lay the four and a half. Michigan in a route. Michigan big. Ooh, ooh okay. Maze and blue. Go big blue. <laughs> Go big. And, of course, I got uh, people up in Michigan. I have to root for them. Go big blue. So, yeah, I look for Michigan in the in the route tonight. Um, all right, so you are taking Michigan, Jim. Kev is taking yep. Washington, and the points. We'll see who ultimately comes out, not only as the national champion, but the champion of the Sports Talk Pick'em Challenge. Good luck to you, sir. We appreciate you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Thank Jim. you, Phil. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thank you, guys. All right. By the way, as an aside, speaking of the transfer portal, you know, do you realize who one of the uh, top tackles for loss sack guys is for Michigan? He's Josiah Stewart, who started his career at Coastal. Oh. <laughs> He's got, he comes into tonight's game um, with uh, 32 tackles, a big part, 33 tackles. He's got eight and a half for loss and five and a half sacks this season. He is a menace. All right, so just to recap, uh, Chris, you took – I took Michigan. You took I'm Michigan. pulling for Washington, yeah. but I think Michigan And you wins. took Michigan. Yeah. But my apologies, I didn't realize it was a four-and-a-half-point spread. I thought it was three-and-a-half. I said 17-13. I think Michigan wins, but yeah. I guess by those numbers, I'm taking Washington to cover. You're taking Washington to points. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you still won. I'm going 17. Ooh, but do I change? <laughs> oh, gosh. See, I'm, I'm going to stick you, with my gut. 17-13. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you 35 to 21. Okay. Two touchdown spread. Got Michigan, it. 35-21. Michigan. If it's that high scoring, I Michigan. think Washington actually wins. Michigan. 
All right. There, that um, many points. We'll go ahead and roll the break to the next half hour, come back with recruiting. A uh, little Zach Willis coming up. Andy in Columbia waiting for us here next on Sports Talk. Thank you for your patience. Welcome in. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just P.T. Keen. The only thing I'm missing, I haven't heard Finn since Chris has gotten back. Oh, where's Finn? Did you uh, leave Finn in Texas? No, he's here. I just put him on TV. <laughs> well, you need to hook him up with a, with a uh, blue bar so we can hear him through the um, through the radio. Don't worry, we hear him plenty of times. Yeah. Yep. And Chris, just another question for you: the yes, other sir. picture of corn in your bedroom so happened to be the speedo corn. Dude. <laughs> no, that's the one I throw darts at here in the game room. That's scary. <laughs> that's scary to think of. I don't okay. want that thought in my mind. No doubt. No way. <laughs> the real reason I called regarding Gamecock basketball. How much better would this team be right now if Murray Boyles, Boyles didn't come down with Mono? Yeah. He's coming on, though. He's coming on fine. Oh, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, he missed a good bit of time to get, you know, mm-hmm. into game, you know, into the game flow with his team. So, he know, looks good. Just watching him the other day, he can be a tremendous inside presence. But here's the thing, too, about this team. We talk about the transfer portal. Every starter Saturday was a transfer, I believe. Every starter was a transfer Saturday. B.J. Mack, yeah, B.J. Mack, Stephen Clark, Miles Studi, Michi Johnson, Talon Cooper. Anybody have a problem with that? Not at all. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, the, it's the age. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only homegrown players that are playing, Colin Murray Boyles, Zachary Davis, Jacoby Wright, and Morris Ugasuk. Um, Josh Gray's a transfer. So, I mean, it's a team made up of transfers, and um, this team will be taken apart after the season because of these transfers being out of uh, eligibility, and they'll bring in another group of transfers along with some high school guys and build it all over again. That's going to be the nature of of teams moving forward for most teams now. Well, they made a good point on the broadcast, which I can't remember the exact numbers, but they said last year the age of this team was like 200 and something in the NCAA, meaning young. Now they're in like the 50s, top 50s. Yeah. Of age. A really old team. Yeah. And now you know, another, another you, question for you, Mr. All right, Cole. go ahead. They're tied in Hunt. Yeah. How much did that? How, what did that? I know, that had to come down to I guess NRL. How much more cost this? I mean, I'm just – I, I don't know if it came down to, to a bidding situation, you know, more money at South Carolina to stay versus uh, – but here's the thing. Is that Finn? Did you bring – did you bring – That is not no, Finn. That's, oh. that's, my, that's mine, Bailey, trying to say how to Finn. No. Uh, you know, he never took – not that this is an absolute thing, but he never took down his Gamecock commitment off his social media. And that's the one thing that stood out to me through this – entire process i know some people have uh, said that he told the gamecocks he was flipping but uh did they come back with more money to keep him i don't know nobody will say no transparency be right back
right, they're going to be kicking it off in Houston here shortly for the national championship, Michigan and Washington. Gave you our thoughts. You heard what Jim Corbett thinks with his pick. Gave you what Kevin Cohen is picking. Don't know what his thoughts were behind it, but we gave you those picks. Let's get some expert analysis preview before they get underway in Houston, where it's been storming and the roof has been leaking. Is Washington going to have a leaky defense tonight that Michigan can exploit or the other way around? Let's welcome in the coach, Zach Willis, edition of First and Ten. It is a Monday. It's a real First and Ten. Here on Sports Talk with Coach Zach Willis, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Phil. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Always great hearing your voice, talking football, football, and more football. Okay, the numbers say Washington is going to give up a lot of yards and points to Michigan just based on the numbers, but what about the people? What do you think? Well, I mean, I think really the key for this game, I wouldn't disagree. Michigan, I think you and I both agree, their safety play in the last game was really nothing short of fantastic with everything they were able to do in disguise and coverages. And, you know, the corners were awesome too, but their safety's versatility and ability to cover down on Alabama was really impressive. I think it's going to come down to, you know, Washington, uh, their passing attack, Michael Penix and, and them two stud receivers he's got. He's got other ones, but he's got two guys that are uh, really special against that Michigan defense. And, you know, they're going to be have to be able to match the output offensively that Michigan's going to put up. Michigan's a very balanced, really no weaknesses on their offense. It's that I've seen. Now, I do think Washington, of course, their offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, which is for the nation's best. Only allowed 11 sacks, and as much as they throw the football, mm-hmm. that's incredible. Um, if they can, if they can hold up, and I'm not betting against them. You know, I wouldn't bet against Michigan either. I, I think this is going to be a great game. It's a great game. That's what I'm hoping for. Is a great game. I do think Michigan. Uh, probably is favored in this game for and, and with good reason, but I'm not betting on these games. I don't know how people do <laughs> do that. If they knew what I knew, they would never bet a nickel. But um, you know, if everything stays even and it won't, something will happen. Um, it's going to come down to Penix and the the, the offense of Washington, most uh, especially then going getting that able to get over the top and stretch the field. If they can do that one or two times and open that run game up with that big offensive line, it could be a really tough challenge for Michigan's defense. Are they up to it? I think so. But you never know Feel somebody, a girlfriend might have just broke up with them. <laughs> you don't know where I their mean, mind is, right? I mean, here's the thing. The beauty of college football is that they're still kids, and they make mistakes, and they make them in – Big moments. I mean, Michigan almost fumbled the game away against Alabama off of a fumble punt. It should have never been fielded. Uh, but it's college football, and it's what turned me gray at 35 years old. And, you know, you love coaching it, but you hate it at the same time. It's, it's going to be an awesome game. I, I just really hope for an awesome game. Both of these teams deserve to be here. I think we got the best two teams. I really do. Uh, only team can match it with them, I think, probably was, was Georgia. Out of the other, out of Texas and, and and Alabama, who did a heck of a job too. They had two great games, so I just hope for another great game. The, the quarterfinals were, or semifinals were phenomenal. As uh, you're talking about coaches, let me drop this on you. 
from Chris Lowe of ESPN, Dylan Native, Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator at Alabama, plans to retire from coaching. Sources have told Chris Lowe Steele will be 66 in March, 40 years in coaching, 12 as a D.C., finalist for the Broyles Award in 17. I'm sure you know him well. Very well. And, you know, he's, I met I met Kevin the first time I met him. He brought his son to our camp at South Carolina. I'm a McCall boy. He's a Dillon boy. You're a ladder boy. And mm-hmm. everybody that knows the PD knows how close that is. And him and John Chavis, uh, obviously people that I looked up to. Um, and, and, you know, Kevin's just a first-class guy. Uh, I, I want to congratulate him on an outstanding career, not only as a coach but as a human being. A very a great role model of what coaches ought to be. I hate to see him leave the game, um, but a first-class individual and a really good man and uh, had his priorities in order and was always extremely well-prepared. Anytime I watched him play, obviously leaving Alabama, their defense this year. It was funny the other day I asked somebody, I said, man, Alabama's defense sure has improved. They told me, well, Kevin Steele's done it. I said, okay, that, that explains that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, congratulations to him and his family. I think a few of his family still in Dillon, but man, you know, he made us all proud just as Chief did. And, uh, and congratulations on a career that was really well done and, and incredibly successful. That's a heck of a family, um, football family. His dad, of course, was a principal at Dillon High School. His brother has been a head football coach in college. And there's a third brother as well who I think has worked on the administrative side in college sports. Yeah, I mean, Am I right on that? I think so. Yeah, they, they're Kevin's so uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're so humble and self-effacing. You can't get them to talk about that stuff. When I've been around him, I didn't even know his brother was a coach till years after I – and realized, hey, that's actually Kevin Steele's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but – what would you expect? My mom taught for a few a year or two at J.B. Martin Junior High School down in Dillon, and Kevin was in high school, I think, at that point. But, um, you know, they, they're just class people, and that's what you get when you, you run. You know, uh, I think about Ellis Johnson and his brother, who's an athletic director at Newberry before I got there, and I got to meet with Oliver's just class people. And, of course, Coach Johnson's a, another guy that – I've had a lot of good role models along the way, and um, you've had a lot of them on, on this show. I've been really lucky and blessed, and Kevin Steele's another one of them. Uh, gave us uh, unfettered access when he was with the Panthers to go up and see what they were doing, and uh, just stopped in whenever he could to see Coach Baker, see Coach Scott. I mean, just, you know, it's good people, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for him. Uh, but, man, what a career. Yeah. We're going to miss him. Fantastic. Coach, we thank you as always. Maybe we'll ring I've you up tomorrow night. For him. Oh, go if ahead. You can. Sure. Uh, just a real quick question, Zach. Uh, Michigan special teams, for the most part, was really good throughout the season. They were terrible against Alabama. Yeah. And they may have lost. Had they lost the game, it would have been, had, would have been the reason why. How do you button oh, yeah. that up in a week's time and get back to what they were doing prior to the uh, Rose Bowl? I think that's an excellent question, and it's really – you know, we've seen we've seen Alabama in their prime, maybe lose two national titles because of special teams. Um, it's hard to find fault with them. And I would say if Michigan's got a weakness, that's it. It's all mental. I mean, and, and that is a 
we talked about Clemson early in the year. They are one of the few teams I've seen actually figure it out by the end of the year and kick, kick a big kick a big field goal in a bowl game. But uh, you know, it's a a mental giant to overcome, especially with this pressure. Hopefully, they they've got enough talent on that team. I think they would to be able to address it that way. And just say, hey, just go out there and just don't think about anything and kick it. But and you can't ever tell. And so that will be something to watch tonight, and it could be the difference in this football game very easily because Washington's special teams, from what I saw, are rock solid. All right, Coach. Thanks. Uh, we'll get you back tomorrow night, 730, Sounds to break good. it down and to get your take on how things played out tonight. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks, okay, Coach. Okay, guys. Take care. Thank you. And, of course, leave it to Alabama to drop a big story like that <laughs> right at kickoff, right? Hey, we're not there, but look at us. Look over here. We got news. Wow. How weird is this, though? No SEC team, no Clemson. I mean, this is really weird, the final year of the playoff, at least in its current makeup. Yeah. And you don't have Alabama, Clemson, you know, LSU, whomever. And it's Washington and, and Michigan who will next year be conference rivals. Yeah. All right. Thanks to Zach. Appreciate that. We'll hear from him tomorrow night to give us a look back at how things broke down tonight because he looks at it better than we do with his analytical eye. We'll come back with the recruiting report after this break. Should have some time for more phone calls if you want to get in a final comment observation tonight. 888-898-2525. Back in a moment. This is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. 
Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Well, it's that time. Time for recruiting. The only thing that could take your attention away from the national championship game is recruiting and Kevin Steele retiring. Have we got a score yet, Chris? Not yet. Okay. Uh, Washington, has, uh, excuse me, Washington just kicked off, so Michigan's got it at, at its own 20. So we haven't missed anything yet? No, sir. That's right. 32 seconds of the game. All right. Very good. <laughs> I'm glad they moved the kickoff up to 730. That novel idea, you know, since they can't figure out a way to play it on Saturday, you know, when college football is supposed to be played, at yeah. least don't make us stay up till two o'clock in the morning to watch the game. Agreed, agreed. All right, recruiting time brought to you by Seawells. Pat, what are we looking at Seawells wise this week? So this week, and apologies to anybody out there that went today to Seawells. They were uh, they were apparently closed today, but reopened tomorrow and Tuesday, January the ninth. We'll have spaghetti, southern fried chicken. Grilled sausages with peppers and onions. And then Wednesday, barbecue chicken, Irish beef stew, and fried fish nuggets. And then don't forget all your local farm fresh veggies, salad bar, and dessert. And here in a couple days, we'll give you the rest of the week. All right, very good. For catering, call Seawells. 803-771-7385 online. Seawells, catering, sc.com. So as you well know, busy weekend for South Carolina as the Gamecocks landed more out of the transfer portal john offensive tackle aaron park 64301 committed yesterday after his visit he visited syracuse as well after he entered the portal and he originally committed to penn state coming out of high school had a final three of oklahoma alabama and north carolina before he signed with the sooners who would not want him a native of Seat Pleasant, Maryland. He joined the Sooners in 2020. He and Shane Beamer had a year together in Norman. And then Park spent his career with the Sooners as a backup. Then Sunday, Alabama transfer defensive tackle Monkel Goodwine, 6'4", 290, after his visit committed, heavily recruited out of high school in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Clemson was among those in the running for him when he chose Alabama. But despite those lofty high school credentials, he was not able to make an impact at Alabama. He was a reserve during his time there, appearing in five games over three seasons. So the hope is, of course, that they can develop him and get something of a production on the field out of him. Saturday, the Gamecocks took a commitment from Pittsburgh transfer linebacker Bengali Kamara, 6'230". And he will join his pit teammate, defensive tackle DeAndre Jules, who committed to the Gamecocks December 13th. Kamara, the fourth linebacker in the incoming class of newcomers. And uh, he played in 47 games, 117 tackles, 11.5 for loss, one interception this season, 
was his best, 55 tackles, six and a half for loss, and two sacks. Also Saturday, Gamecocks put out the word, Brady Hunt, all he did was put out a a post on X indicating that he was in Columbia, and then Shane Beamer put out a post on X indicating that Brady Hunt was still with him. Hunt, you know, committed on December 17th after his official visit, never removed his commitment edit from his social media sites. But early in the week last week, several Internet media outlets proclaimed Hunt would actually enroll at Texas A&M because his position coach at Ball State had been hired there. So obviously somebody, he or somebody, was spreading the word that that was going to happen and they picked up on it. But then, for whatever reason, draw your own conclusion, he stuck with the Gamecocks and will be with them this year. And then, Friday night after we left the air, the Gamecocks got a public commitment from wide receiver Gage Larvadon, 5'10", 180, Miami of Ohio. And some of the offers he had once he entered the portal included Auburn, Miami, Cal, Baylor, Duke, Tulane, Houston, UCF, Michigan State, Troy. Last season, 42 catches, 679 yards, six touchdowns. He began his career at Southeastern Louisiana. In two seasons there, he caught 96 balls, 1,252 yards, and seven touchdowns. So he sounds pretty good. Also visiting over the weekend, according to reports, Offensive tackle Pearson Toomey from Furman and linebacker Manny Powell of Arkansas. Haven't seen anything more on them, so I don't know what their plans are at this point. For sure, I don't know their plans. One-time USC target running back Daniel Hill, Meridian, Mississippi, committed to Alabama Saturday during the All-American Bowl. That was a strange recruiting thing there because South Carolina was all over him. And at one point looked really good, but the Gamecocks moved on to taking some transfer running backs, kind of filled up their room. Hill's dad, well-known that he wanted to go to Alabama, so there he's going. USC target, Houston transfer offensive lineman Ruben Unije committed to Louisville. He went there Saturday after visiting USC. USC target, Troy transfer receiver Jabray Barbary committed to Texas A&M was scheduled to visit USC this weekend, didn't make it. Texas A&M transferred defensive tackle Micaiah Overton, who visited USC, committed to Arkansas State. He's the brother of LT Overton. I think maybe they were trying to get a a package there, but the other Overton went elsewhere, and so I guess their interest in Micaiah Overton waned. Wisconsin transfer offensive lineman Nolan Rucci who strongly considered Clemson in high school, he's going to Penn State. Alabama center transfer Seth McLaughlin, who was recruited by Clemson out of high school and drew some interest this time around. He's going to Ohio State. Former USC cornerback Isaiah Norris was offered by North Carolina Central. Former Gamecock receiver Xavier Short going to Appalachian State. Former Gamecock defensive end Donovan Westmoreland is going to Kennesaw State. Linebacker Billy Wilkes of Charlotte, 62205, accepted a PWO offer from Clemson. Coastal Carolina landed a commitment from Texas transfer. Offensive and defensive lineman Sawyer Gorin Welch, 64307. Wide receiver Nate Branch of Lower Richland and Palmetto Prep committed to Charleston Southern. 
Athlete Kendall Daniels of Norfolk has USC in his top 12. The others are Penn State, Maryland, Virginia, Michigan, Duke, Liberty, Virginia Tech, Kentucky, Troy, Southern Cal, and Oklahoma. USC and Clemson are in the top six with defensive end Ari Watford of Norfolk, Virginia, with Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, and Penn State. USC target defensive end Zahir Mathis of Philadelphia plans to announce his commitment Wednesday. Ohio State appears to be the favorite of the analysts. Also, Florida State, Texas, and Tennessee, his other favorites. Defensive back Onus Cannonbanny of Heathwood Hall was offered by Cincinnati. USC offered wide receiver Givani Contosis. Six feet, 191, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. He's got a lot of big-time offers. In eight games last year, 52 catches, 1,065 yards, 11 touchdowns. USC offered 2026 receiver Jaden Kitchen, 6'2", 180, of Clinton, Maryland. USC will get a visit from linebacker Zayden Walker, 6'3", 220, Ellaville, Georgia, February 3rd, according to Chad Simmons of On3. He also has Georgia, January 13th, Florida State, January 20th, Miami, January 27th. Tight end Marshall Pritchett of Charleston and Rabin Gap, Georgia, offered by Illinois. Former USC offensive lineman Grayson Maines transferring to Temple. Former Gamecock quarterback Colin Gauthier and his guitar. They are headed to Gardner-Webb. Former Clemson tight end Sage Ennis transferring to Virginia. I think he was originally committed to FAMU. Now he's going to Virginia. Of course, you know, FAMU lost their head coach, Willie Simmons. Mm -hmm. And Virginia's head coach is Tony Elliott. Running back Akeelan Deer, Quitman, Mississippi, who has a USC offer, was offered by Texas. James Island quarterback Braxton Scott committed to Charleston Southern. Former UNLV quarterback Jaden Mava commits to Georgia. Former Alabama receiver Malik Benson commits to Florida State. North Carolina transfer offensive tackle Diego Pounds, who's appropriately named because he is big, committed to (laughs) Ole Miss. Yes. Baseball. Florida State transfer infielder Jordan Carrion is headed to South Carolina. He started 103 games in two seasons with the Knowles. He hit 273, two homers, 20 doubles, 54 RBIs. A career 936 fielder. He started his career at Florida. And basketball, USC target 2026 2 Marcus Johnson, cousin of Michi, was offered by Villanova. There you go with recruiting. Unless you have something else to add. No, not a, I think you covered every single recruit in the country tonight. So Thank you. I think we're good. That's yeah, my goal. That good. is my goal every single stinking night. Well, while you were doing that, Michigan promptly just marched it right down Washington's throat. Uh-huh. 84-yard drive, 66 on the ground, Ooh. and they lead 7 nothing. Made it easy? Pretty much. Yeah. McCarthy only had to throw two passes in the drive. You can't hide a bad defense. That t- and that you run, 41-yard run, that looked way too easy. Way too easy. Started to his right, cut back left, and then I don't think a defender touched him. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. They do have the great quarterback. See if they can can rally let's the troops there. I saw somebody on Twitter already. Let's just hope it's not sixty-five to seven. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> we don't was, need Georgia TCU again. That was awful last year. Okay, guys. Uh, any final thoughts, Chris? 
No, I'm just looking forward to, like I said, hoping to see a pretty good game after we get done. Yeah. How about you, Pat? Anything left in that fertile mind of yours? Right there with Chris and you. I just hope to see a good, close, competitive game tonight. All right. I'm going home to go to sleep. That game will be <laughs> over by the time I get home. All right. Thank Celtics you, guys. Playing tonight? I don't know. I'd have to check, you know. I'm Bad still in, fan. I'm, I'm still in, in Green Bay <laughs> mode. I'm still in Green Bay mode, but I'm keeping an eye on the seas. All right, everybody. Y'all have a great night. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow.